it has to be part of your thing. And then, you know, you, you do it like this and then you break the mold. Welcome to the Creative Studio. This is the podcast where we conduct experiments with podcasting. My name is Joshua Rivers, and this is a production of Podcast Guy Media, LLC. Biographic. An engaging story. Plus emotion or moments of reflection. And it's not all just documentaries because we get sucked into the story. But in a narrative podcast, you explore the answer and you find it by weaving through a set of occurrences. It's a change of direction. Add in extra information or background or thought process to what was already recorded. Throughout season four, we have been covering narrative style podcasting. This includes journalistic or documentary styles as well. The first 10 episodes of this season covers this topically as we step through the process of creating a narrative podcast. I interviewed 11 podcasters for this series, and in each episode, you'll hear from several of each of them. So the first 10 episodes is basically a working example of this style that we were talking about. Now, I'm releasing the full interviews that I did with each of these guests. I'm doing this for several reasons. First of all, there were several things that were brought up in the conversations that didn't make the final cut. It was still good information. It just wasn't as pertinent to the topic at hand, or it was already talked about by other guests. And secondly, you can get to hear what the conversation was like before I cut all the audio for the original series. You can be able to see the show notes by going to creativestudio.academy. Today, we'll be talking with Elsie Escobar. She is the host of The Feed, the official Lipson podcast. Lipson is the podcast host that I use personally and highly recommend. You can check them out at creativestudio.academy slash Lipson. She is also on ShePodcast.com. She also has a weekly newsletter. All these links are going to be in the show notes you can get at creativestudio.academy. Elsie is going to be bringing perspective as a podcaster, a listener, and also something I found out during the interview, an actress. So do you have any personal experience in creating narrative podcasts or in terms of creating? Uh, no, I don't have creating them per se, but I do have experience in listening to them. Not in the way that you would imagine. <laughs> like I'm not like sitting there like listening to NPR and stuff like that. But I think one of the biggest things that struck me about narrative kind of storytelling and the way that it can reach you was through my stepping into podcasting. I started to fall in love with the medium really basically on my own. And I started a yoga podcast on my own, which has nothing to do with anything. But at that time I was in Los Angeles. That's where I lived. The LA podcasters in LA uh, were all storytelling podcasters at that time. Dan Klass, Lance Anderson, Tim Coyne, Kush, all of these guys over there were all creating what we would, I guess, nowadays considered to be more of a storytelling type of a podcast, minus all the hyper-produced, at times, the musical interludes and perhaps maybe a very specific overtone of the narrative between the conversations. They were done in a, in a way that really struck me as a human being. Like they were telling stories. It, it was What I loved about that is that not, like Tim Coyne had a podcast called The Hollywood Podcast, which to this day is perhaps my one most favorite podcast in the world. And I'm very, very sad that he stopped. He pot faded and he went away. Dan Class had the bitterest pill. Lance Anderson had Verge, the fringe and Cush had Cush things I say. 
And all four of these guys were producing a podcast that was telling stories and they did them and all of them did it completely different than the other one did. So it was this incredible learning for me to understand how powerful a narrative could be and that it doesn't have to be a specific type of way. Let's say with Dan Class, what he did is he he primarily told stories that were about his life when he he's a, basically an out-of-work actor for the most part in Los Angeles, and he ended up staying home. He was a stay-at-home dad while his wife went out to work, and so he was taking care of his little babies, and he lived in Los Angeles, and so he just cultivated these incredible stories, super funny stuff that was happening in his life. It was sort of like a diary, but better produced, if you will. For every podcast episode, he generally had a focus of maybe three tops, three stories that he focused on. And he he got behind the microphone and he went off. And for the most part, it seemed as if he was off book, but they were very clearly, he really worked on them. It's something that you could tell that he could do at a stand-up show or that it could encapsulate different types of genres, I guess it could be, you could shoot this as a pilot episode or something like this. So they were very audio wise. They were highly produced and there were some transitional music beds added to that. Kush, which was Kush Things I Say, was also about living in Hollywood around that time as well. And his, his storytelling was not necessarily as, as funny as Dan classes, but it was very poignant and very sarcastic and sort of like cut through a lot of the layers of living life in Hollywood. So he would tell a story, but then he would also give a lot of like sort of deep thoughts that went into it. And you didn't know if he was serious or if he was not, or if he was kind of making fun of the audience or not. Really poignant stuff as well. Lance Anderson, his take was not scripting anything. He would basically, it's raw storytelling. Hello, here it is. Here I am, me and my mic, and we will do this thing. No music, nothing. Awkward pauses, accepted. And he would just sort of riff on a specific, something that was striking him in some way. And it wasn't just your sort of like your, your regular Joe Schmo behind the microphone. He really took the craft of getting behind the microphone and doing, in quotes, a monologue proper as something to be cultivated. And at the beginning of podcasting, this was something that people were doing a lot more of where it was sort of like, you know, how they have open mic nights at certain coffee shops or, or whatever, where you get behind the microphone and you do the spoken word. It was sort of spoken word stories where you would kind of like craft the story before, see where the story was going and see if this was a good story to tell. And then you basically hit the microphone and you do it and you see if it hits or if it doesn't. So there were many times where his storytelling flopped behind the mic and there were times when it didn't, it really soared. So it was really beautifully done. And the Hollywood podcast, which was with Tim Coyne, he had a very unique take on this stuff. He was also, again, he was a, an actor trying to make it in Hollywood and he told the stories of going on auditions. And at first, you know, at that time, I was also in, in Hollywood doing the acting thing. And, you know, listening to another guy's story about this was the last thing I wanted to listen to. But since I met him at the L.A. Podcasters, I listened to his show. And I was blown away by the caliber of storytelling that he did 
behind the scenes. He told stories about, you know, going into these auditions, but he also brought in all of the emotion, all of his psychological stuff that was going on, his relationship with his girlfriends, his relationship with his dad and with his brother. And if I were to put a genre on that, it would be like a very well-produced one-hour drama comedy where it had scene changes and things like that, where it was really him just behind the mic and he would enter, he would put music in there to really kind of drive points home. And there were points where he was telling a story of how his girlfriend broke up with him. And I laughed out loud to that podcast more than I have to anything else. And I also cried publicly out on the street because in each one of his podcasts, it was like riding a roller coaster. So those are my my contribution to the conversation around narrative podcasting, seeing it from the perspective of the indie, in quote, podcaster, less so than the procaster, which are more of the WNYCs of the world and the very highly trained, I guess, audio producers out there. That's very interesting. Yep. And so <laughs> I like that. And so I think this could be an interesting conversation because we're going to get more of more of a listener perspective. I think I think that'll be really good because too many times as we get behind the microphone and are working with the editing, producing and all that kind of stuff, we can forget what it's like sometimes to be on the other end of it. And so even though we listen to podcasts ourselves, there's still sometimes a, a disconnect in some areas. I think that there's a lot to be said in theater a lot of the time. At least when I was studying theater, there were many times when we were doing a, let's say we're doing a musical. And, you know, one of the things that we always got notes on from our directors or whatever, or one of my teachers, I can't really quote who was the one that said this, but he said to me, you know, you have to earn the right to sing. You have to earn the right to start singing the song right now. And most of the time we always thought like, oh, well, the number's coming up. We have to just do that. And I feel there's times in some narrative podcasting where I have felt that they have not earned the right to insert that piece of music there. They have not earned the right to narrate over this portion because it seems more contrived and less as part of the storytelling, as part of furthering the, the through line of the storytelling process. There's some people who can really attune to the work. One of the newest ones that I've heard and it's coming from somebody who is a complete and utter newbie to podcasting as it is, as it stands. And his only experience has been listening to This American Life. So that's like, you know, and then all of a sudden he's now put a podcast together. And, and his, the podcast is called The Art of Money. And it is not exactly what you would imagine. And in fact, it's, it's coming from the internet marketing world, his wife. Barry is a financial coach, basically. She works with people's money troubles. People hire her to work through money issues. And, you know, she does all kinds of financial support. And she has a course that is called The Art of Money that is a year-long course. She's been doing this for a long time. And they decided to do a podcast. And I thought, well, of course, they're going to do another one of those, you know, let's interview <laughs> an expert in the field. <laughs> and mm -hmm. let's put that out. They happened to reach out to me and wanted some advice on podcasting and stuff. In fact, I'm working with them now, but not in the production value, which was really great because then I was like, I'm going to listen to their show before we get on a call here to see what I can give. I was blown away because Barry has done hundreds of interviews already in the past. And he was able to curate a through line, a theme 
around money problems and bring all of that in while highlighting his wife's ability to coach people through money and also key in on the emotional points of the, the money story where you, you kind of feel like you don't want to be listening to somebody talk about, you know, nobody talks about the emotions behind money and the money shame. Basically, it's about money shame. And the stories of what that means and when they were kids and all this stuff. And then Forrest, who is the husband producer, he narrates above his wife's work here and there. And it's really lovely to hear that because you hear he knows her. You hear that they together are, there's a very specific reason why they created this podcast. When you hear it, you know that it's to sell this specific course. That's the reason behind this. But the the bottom line is that it really reaches out far and above that because it's sharing this information that both of them are so passionate about. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's interesting. Yeah, I was really blown away. I've never seen a narrative type storytelling podcast in the financial industry <laughs> genre. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's just a great example of trying to find a point of differentiate different whatever that word is yeah yeah totally. <laughs> make, make a difference yeah absolutely and so yeah that yeah that's awesome i like that it shows a lot of creativity to be able to go in that as well so i like that i love that and so i feel that although like anything else in podcasting there are very specific and i'm going to put i guess air quotes here regulations or rules and regulations around what constitutes a a strong listening piece, an audio piece that really has these things that create impact. There's also the ability to mess with them to the point where you don't really necessarily have to follow a specific way of mixing it up. That is what I kind of want to see a little bit more from podcasters out there too. And I think for most of us is that our creative juices sometimes get stuck in the technical world because there's the technical part really works one part of your brain and the, and the creative part works the other, right? So if you're sitting there editing and looking at the sound levels for something or trying to figure out how you're going to fix this little piece of audio or trying to figure out how you're going to capture the best audio when you're working outside in wind or, you know, all that kind of stuff works one part of your brain. And that necessitates you to have this logical, very kind of problem solving sort of person involved in the mix. But then there's the whole other part of it, which is the actual narrative part. It's the storytelling part. It's the strategy and it's the heart of the piece. And if you don't have a mix of both of them, then it's either too out there with no form or too form-ish and it doesn't have the impact that you were looking for. And it's that beautiful balance between both that I think makes the most incredible narrative podcast out there. Oh, like that form-ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it how we, we could just we just go, we just make up words and I know, totally, right? Why not? <laughs> Let's do it that way. Cause because why? We can. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. I like that. Yeah, that's a really good point about the two different parts of the brain and the way that you operate. And that I've I've known that, but I just never really associated that with trying to do, especially this with with narrative podcasting. But now that I'm thinking about it, 
especially thinking about like the Roman Mars and some of the others and th- that have shared some of their process. There's a whole bunch of iterations that, that go in between. So they do, they work something up a first draft, then they edit, then they do another draft and they edit and they do another draft and they edit. And of course, then they're having a group um, that's involved in this as well. Mm-hmm. And so you're able to, each person is to have at different times, be able to switch between the formish mindset versus the creative aspect. Plus then in each group setting, the different people can be looking at it from the different perspectives as well. That's really good. So especially if we are doing it ourselves or in a really small group, really small team, trying to put this together, having those multiple points of editing and reviewing to be able to look at the different aspects can be good. Oh, absolutely. I think that that's part of uh, creating that team process and really having this become a, a collage which is what I feel within the narrative part of it, right? Because there, are, it's a multi-dimensional part, and it's that impact that really matters at the end. And some of us have like, like for me, I'm able to when I listen to something, I understand and I can dissect why it worked for me and why it didn't in terms of the emotional impact, in terms of the of the of me remembering whatever it is that you wanted me to remember. When I can look back at it and see it as a whole and pick out the bits and pieces of it, what I don't feel that I would probably be very good at is, let's say if you gave me five minutes of content or 10 minutes of content and you told me I need to make that two minutes or a minute, I I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like my brain would get so caught up in, but it's, but it's so great, you know, because I would, I would start to think about how amazing it could possibly be. Or I thought that it was an an awesome five minutes of content. What do you mean you want me to cut it down to to one? I would figure that I wouldn't even know where to start with that. And I assume for anybody who's trying to do this thing, we have to become much more adept in having that skill set start to really tune up. Sort of, I, I assume it's the same way when you're editing a piece of copy where, you know, you think every word that you've written is just brilliant and then you get an editor and they chop it all up and then you go, oh, okay, well, well then, <laughs> I didn't really need that, you know? And so there's that thing. And I feel that also being slightly removed from the, possibly that can even be a thing where you're really into it. You create your thing. Maybe you have your team that's doing your, episode or your piece of audio or whatever. And then perhaps there is that piece that is the X factor where they're not part of your in crowd. Maybe they're your audience. Maybe there is like a person who would really benefit from listening to this or, you know, somebody you want to reach and you have them listen to see if it worked. Hmm. That's good. So a mini focus group. Yeah, absolutely. Like even mini focus group, not to deter you because obviously one person is not going to make or break what you're putting out there. And, Mm -hmm. but there's always something to be learned, I think, from that. And if they don't offer anything back other than that was really great, then whatever, (laughs) you know, yay. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Just to kind of look at some of the things, I know this could be a little different with you because of you haven't been on the creating side of narratives, but any of these that you think would be something that you can contribute to in some perspective would be good. And so one of the things is with the planning of a narrative, 
we kind of mentioned that there were several people that had shared their process of like how they go through they starting with the idea and then they go through to be able to produce it and be able to create that narrative story that arc or, or or whatever what are some things that you may think of that would be good to do to be able to get that process started i think that one of the things that i started to to view as of now because there's been a few times where i'm not sure actually if i'm doing this anymore but it's hard there's a project that we were working on for cancer cancer patients basically from a hospital in Pittsburgh, they were in the middle of developing a podcast that had an angle uh, around the narrative. And the whole process was around creating better communications, better empathy between doctor and patient and patient and doctor so that the doctors could really see their patients beyond the patient part of it and see what they do in their everyday life. And also a part of it where the patients were were then able to see the same from their providers, sort of like an extra layer of communication, and also to provide for the cancer patients the understanding or the key point, which is that they are connected with one another and they're not alone. And, And everybody knows that this kind of stuff is hard to be able to go through the process of all the therapies and all the stuff that they have to do living with cancer, basically. And, you know, one of the first things that I started to advise their team was to be able to make sure that before they start, they have the key points that they really want to drive home or the overarching theme around the why of the creation of this podcast. And like I was telling you before, was really this, I guess, the bottom line of what this podcast creation was going to be about was that communication, was that support, that daily support for the cancer person, patient, who was perhaps in deep pain and had to go to get more chemotherapy that day and didn't know if they could do it anymore because it was just so annoying and painful. And so how is it that in the process of capturing the audio, in the process of, of whatever communications like you are having, you're talking with me at this moment, how can we get the bits and pieces that uh, really serve to drive the larger dialogue, the larger point? And when you do that, to mark them, because that's the other thing too, because a lot of the time what I've seen as a podcast producer as well is I will start talking with you about this stuff and I go, oh my God, that what I said was really awesome. <laughs> or I'm never going to forget that. I'm never going to forget that. That was for episode number 30. That's when we had this conversation. It was so clear. I'm going to tell everybody to listen to this because this, and then, you know, sure enough, the next week, I have no idea what I said in the last episode. I don't know what that was about. And it becomes like a constant forgetfulness. So I feel as producers, we need to keep that through line in the front first, that primary dialogue that we are having both within the podcast and with our audience, and also to make sure that you write the stuff down, to make the notes right away and to be very meticulous about that stuff with whatever that you're using, whether it's Google Docs or whether it's some kind of note taking device on there that for you to be clear that you know how to get back to this information. Because there's been also many times when I, I will say like really key insight, 12 seconds or whatever, you know, and then I'm like, what, what's the key insight? Write it down. Mm-hmm. Take the time after 
whatever interview is, uh, 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 the initial, you know, intel of, of whatever you have with the audio to make sure you write the stuff down after you're done to insert the time to process beyond moving on to the next thing, because you will forget that impact that it had on you. You won't have the through line in your head as clearly as right when you finished with your interview, with your recording, with your research, whatever that you're doing. That's a good point. I'm trying to capture that right away. And so I failed to do that many times myself. <laughs> as I... It's hard. And so there's a lot of times I get done with the interview. It's like, okay, I got to hurry up and move on to the next thing. Yep. So maybe what I should do is I should probably schedule a buffer time to capture some of that. Yeah, if I were to give you any key insight or anybody else now, because I, I've seen it, and, and I'm only saying this because I myself have lacked in this and it's where I drop the ball. I mean, it's where I drop the ball big time because I'm just like you, you know, I'll finish something and I'll go, oh, I'll just remember that. And I don't know why I keep thinking that I'll just remember that. And then I never have, and being a mom, you know, finishing recording this stuff, usually the girls, I'm like, you know, I record for an hour, that's enough. As soon as I hang up or or we hang up with that conversation, I'm on to making dinner or something like that, where it's completely a different part of my brain. It's a different part of who I am. And I forget, I forget the through line or what I needed to get across or what I was so passionate about in terms of that conversation. Even as as non-narrative podcasters, I feel it's super important to have that buffer time to write down the key insights, not only from your guest, but from yourself, because you yourself are processing tons of ideas that are have popped up from the conversation. And really, you deserve the right to get those out. And I keep telling myself that, too, because I could be so brilliant in the moment. <laughs> but then, like, afterwards, I'm like, oop. Well, that was lost because I cannot remember. I can't say that again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Very good. Now, one of the things, too, is there's definitely times of climax that try to grab the listener's attention. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, there's the beginning that had the hook to be able to grab them. There's the end that you want to have a good conclusion to where you bring at least some kind of resolution to hopefully the suspense or whatever it is mm -hmm. that, that you're trying to build throughout. But then throughout, there needs to be points of climax to be able to keep their attention, to keep the story moving forward. Do you have any pieces of advice or anything like that as far as being able to craft those? I feel as in anything else, and I'm only bringing this uh, to light from my past background, not necessarily for creating audio, but possibly from theater as a whole, one of the key things in theater is pacing and changing the pace of things. As in dance, as in almost every art form, including music, there is a reason why the iambic pentameter that Shakespeare uses stays at a specific type for many, many different lines. And then all of a sudden it breaks that rhythm. It's because something important is happening then something else has taken up that rhythm. When Shakespeare breaks the rhythm, there's a very, very important reason why. And as when you're producing something like, like a play that is a Shakespeare play or you're playing it or whatever, you need to really look at that and to see that. The same thing happens with storytelling or with music. You set up a certain amount of consistency, perhaps in your voice consistency in the way that you're telling the story and then you add elements that break 
that pattern, that break it in some way that sometimes it's more melodic, sometimes it becomes more pleasing, and sometimes it's very dissonant so that you you cause the person that's listening to question or to go, well, that was shocking. And you can use different ways to do that because you have the voice, you have different ways to do that. There are the possibilities of using speed, tempo, right? You could do it faster or slower. You could do it louder or softer. You could do it sharper. There are layers that you can build into that. What's really lovely about the narrative podcast is that you don't have to do it just with your voice. You can have aspects of sound design, which is one of the reasons that narrative podcasters are around that way, or music. So you can be very deliberate as to why you are putting that where you're putting it. One thing that I've also noticed too is that that pacing also needs to be steady. So I'm not saying that from, you know, minute one to minute 30, let's say you're doing a 30 minute audio piece, needs to be at a specific rhythm, but it does need to be consistently moving forward. There may be times when that rhythm or that speed perhaps slows down, but the drive needs to continue that story. I feel that that's also something that happens with time. When you are sitting around and you're listening to a podcast or you're listening to a narrative piece, you go, you start to sense when you drop into the piece and when you start to like move out of the piece when you're done with it, which is what I've seen like in the, one of the Gimlet episodes, I think that they were doing something around that when they were showing why they were going to edit some, you know, minutes out of something and you get more adept at it. I remember the piece that they used there was like the beginning of a podcast they were developing. When I heard it, I was like, I don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> and like, you know, you can't hear it or because you're just, you're not trained to hear whatever it is that they were hearing. So I think you do develop that as well to be able to kind of tell, is this, this is a little too slow. I need to pick this up. Hmm. And audio gives you the time to do that or the ability to do that in a, in a variety of different ways. I like that. I like that. That actually kind of ties in with an, uh, with another point that I was going to try to bring up, and that was with the transitions from from one piece to another. Mm-hmm. So from one clip to the next, from one part of the story to the next, whatever the case is with the thing, or maybe you're having someone that you interviewed, and then and then it kind of fades up to the narrator, and then it goes back into it. And so there's all those transitions, and so that would be a good practice for doing that as well, just to be able to make those transitions a little bit better. Oh, yeah. To be able to make those choices based upon the kind of transition that it is. I mean, if it's a very poignant transition or if it's something that, you know, you're talking about X and then that topic has been put to rest and then you're going to start talking about Y, I feel that merits a pretty strong transition between those, right? It's like an audio period. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is where it finishes, the sentence, period. And next scene. So it could be something like that. And there are times when you can do a less one that isn't so poignant and it could really just seamlessly integrate into the other one. So, and that's another tip that you, you can have, you know, if you're studying this kind of stuff is to really truly study, to study transitions, to listen, not necessarily even for content sometimes, but, but, but listen for transitions, like what transition work the most. What was the thing that worked about it? And questioning back again, like reverse engineering, the impact that something made on you or why something didn't really work or why it was too jarring for you or you wish that it was this way. There's something really amazing about following your own instincts with this kind of work. And in order to develop that, you have to 
develop your own opinions. And part of it comes from studying, from being able to see what you like and what resonates with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually one thing that I've been doing here lately, especially is listening to some of those. So this American Life and some of the ones from Gimlet and, and different things like that. So I can try to listen to more of the technical things of how they're how they're doing those transitions, how mm -hmm. they're using the music and things like that. And sometimes I, I catch myself getting absorbed into the story and I stop yeah, focusing totally. on those things. But totally. personally, I wouldn't listen to them long term just because of I prefer not to have the, the explicit. Yeah, totally. Things personally. Mm -hmm. They don't care about those as much. And so no. I don't think I would listen to it long term myself, but from a creative aspect, I could see being able to try to grab things like that. And so I'm trying to do that, trying to learn for myself, especially as I'm going through this, to be able to work on those things. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting, too, how seconds really matter. Like, that was really mind-blowing to me to realize that sometimes when you start to feel, oh, three seconds was too long. And you can really say that. Mm -hmm. And you can really feel that. And also listening to their music transitions, I'm sure that there is a magic number, right, where it's either too long or too short. And so they optimize for a certain amount of length. And I think if you can maybe discern that for yourself to say, like, you know, my transition needs to be one second long. So it needs to work this way. Or my transitions for these longer things need to be up to, you know, five seconds or something like that, where you can start to sense like that's part of the difference. And you can then start to make decisions based on, upon length. And maybe just the length will do what you want it to do and not the type of music that you're putting in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. That is one thing I've noticed is... That even just in a particular episode, that there'll be some transitions where they they fade the music and, and it's like just a quick second. And then there's other times when they, they play for five, ten seconds uh, before the voices come back in. And it just creates a different type of feeling mm -hmm. as you're listening to it. And so, definitely. Now, one thing I am interested about and something I didn't think of, I didn't know about coming into this interview is, as you mentioned earlier about your your work in acting in theater. So what have you done with that? <laughs> well, I stopped a long time ago. <laughs> no, I did. I worked as an actor for 10 years and I did theater and movies and TV and all that fun stuff back in the day. So, you know, I went through college and went into grad school and that's what my career was. And I did the Hollywood thing for a while as well. So that was basically it. I think that, you know, one of the reasons that I quit is that I wasn't having the conversations that I'm having with you about acting anymore. Because what I didn't know at that time was, well, what I hadn't developed at that time was confidence in who I was as an artist and to be able to push that out. I sort of pushed through and didn't trust myself enough. And I didn't have the creative life that I wish that I could have had. Podcasting gives that to me. Podcasting gives me the control and the creative expression that I was searching for. Mm -hmm. Okay. So do you have any experience or thoughts or stories from that world that might apply to creating a narrative in audio format or maybe just, just creating narrative in general? Maybe there's not a direct connection to audio. Oh, absolutely. We had to create a lot of the way that we got our 
I guess grades, because it wasn't really grades that we were doing, but our biggest projects were about creating our own shows. It was, you know, creating a one woman show. It was about creating a piece together where we would come together and do something and collaborate with one another. So my experience from consuming an art form is from being able to look at things and sort of break them, you know, first to look at the entire story, you read the entire story or you decide what story you want to tell. Then you have to go look for the bits and pieces that you are going to be putting together. And then you have to start to put it somehow piece them all. This one is better at the beginning. This one goes better at the end. How am I going to make that transition happen? And there were many different times where we had to use every part of who we were to make those transitions. In fact, we had to be trained in things where um, we did mask work, which was one of the most riveting kind of learnings that I've ever had, where we had to create a mask. And the masks are basically just white. They look like kind of scary zombie looking masks, <laughs> but... um. They have nothing going on in them. It's just a mask, right? So when you put it on, you can create whatever you want at that moment. And usually it's with your body. It's sort of like the most freeing work that you can do because it's not based on, on you. It's based on something else. And also there's another bit of mask work, which is where you dress all in black. And then you put like you're a robber. And you put like the black thing over your head, like a back, you know, like, but it wasn't really like a black pantyhose kind of stuff. Like you would see like bad guys on the movies. It was a created sort of like mask where it's just, you just pull it over your head and it's, you're supposed to do that. It's a little bit denser than just a pantyhose. So you can, you kind of can't see at all to the person's face. And we had to create a story, like a 20 minute like one person story and we had to tell a story just all with our bodies. We had to, you know, do everything. And that was really challenging because like as in audio, we had to figure out a way to create transitions between one scene and another with just an action that we did with our bodies. And we also had to become different characters and there's no talking. This is all quiet. So it really opened up the possibilities to create story and to say things and to tell a story minus audio, minus music, just with gesture. And doing that kind of work really opens up so much because since you have, you're held to basically not being able to use all of these different layers, it opens up the possibilities when you can't so that you don't fall on the same possible patterns that you might have. Like, oh, I'll just add music here. And then you realize, well, you know what? I can actually do a physical choice. Or perhaps I can do something and, and really instead of using music, maybe using silence. So that's what I think I learned the most from that is that there is a myriad of ways of being able to, to create story and narrative. And that even though there are certain optimal ways to perhaps do things, sometimes trying the different thing is what's going to get you the results that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I'm, I'm trying to look for in this is most of the people that I've talked to have been dealing with audio creation, podcasting in particular. But I did talk to one guy that he does video production. He's working his way into doing filmmaking, trying to 
kind of head into that direction. And so he's done some things where he's created stories in video format, varying lengths. I mean, some commercial length kind of things to short movie type stuff and, and whatever. And so, but helping to be able to create those stories and with video, you have certain things that you can be able to use and apply. And so, so I just thought I'd try to pull from your aspect of, from the actor's uh, kind of perspective and some of the things that you experience. And so I think it'll help to be able to broaden the scope and the perspective that we can have as we're trying to create audio. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's necessary. It's necessary for us to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's good to be able to look outside the interest industry to be able to see what other people are doing that we might be able to pull in, be able to make a twist and hopefully be able to create something great as a result of that. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I love this conversation. And so oh, um, it, it definitely breaks the mold of all the other ones that I've done. Oh, good. That's always my thing. I love to break the mold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick it back up and fix it for my next show, you know. So, um, get my super glue. That has to be part of your thing. And then, you know, you, you do it like this and then you break the mold. See? That's like yeah. a great way to put it. There you go. I like that. Yeah. So, just kind of as we wrap up here, uh, to let you know a little bit more what I'm doing going forward, then I have one more interview, maybe two more interviews that I'm going to be doing for this. Um, and then the way I'm going to be doing this is like they did the podcast producers where they interviewed a bunch of people and then they integrated all the different clips uh -huh. based on topic. And so, yeah. so that's kind of what I'm going to do. So I'm breaking down kind of the, the workflow that you would go through in this and kind of look at each aspect in each episode and then so then pull clips from each of the different people that I speak to. I'm not exactly sure where you're going to fall in all of this. And so it, it'll, but you'll definitely be in a couple. Awesome. That's no problem. And so, yeah, so I think, I think that'll be uh, really good. The things that you shared. And so, especially going into the stories that you did to be able to kind of explain the processes a little bit more in those things. And so I think that'll be a, a really good addition. And so my plan is, I've already started some preliminary editing, kind of dividing up some of the things I've done into the topics, uh -huh. generally speaking. And then, um, but in February, between now and the end of February, I plan on doing hopefully most of the editing or get a good chunk of editing done and then start publishing in March. And so. Okay, great. And then it'll be once a week for 10 weeks, basically. And so. Yeah, so I'll keep you posted on that, and then however you like to share it, you're more than welcome. Awesome, then, yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, and then one thing I definitely am planning on doing is creating something for the feed, and so <gasps> Yay! be able to produce a promo. Yeah, that would be so awesome. That People will love it. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, and, I, and it's like speaking directly to my audience and so, <laughs> so. <laughs> totally i know because that's what people would want yeah so so it's not just promoting my podcast in a podcast about podcasting but directly to podcasters so <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it would be really really awesome yeah so so i've been wanting to do that for a while because i have a couple different podcasts i do but i've kind of gone back and forth on my production schedule for the different ones and it's like i don't know if i want to promote it if i'm not producing regularly and so right no i get it but this one i think is definitely going to be applicable to to people so yay 
That's going to be great. Well, good job. I'm glad you're taking this on. I would be super interested to hear just your process of you get your thing done, but I'd be really intrigued to see, to hear a little bit more about your process, putting it all together. Like when you changed your mind about something, when things weren't working or like how you've changed your perspective around how you started this project and how you finished with the project. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be part of the flow. That's going to be kind of the narrative, if you will, string that's going to kind of go through. I mean, this isn't quite it. It's more documentary probably than narrative, but, but I'm going to kind of tie it in because I mean, this is my journey of learning. Totally. But then I like your, your idea. You kind of sparked that, that maybe I'll do an 11th episode or maybe a, a bonus like opt-in type thing for after the fact and say kind of, well, here's my takeaways for me personally and the things that I changed. And, and so I might do something like that at the end then after I finish the project. That's a good idea. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I would love it. I would love it. Well, thank you very much for talking with me. And so say thank you to Jessica Rhodes for recommending that I talk to you. And so, yeah, Yay! so definitely appreciate it. I know. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Well, you mm-hmm. take care and uh, have fun with the kids. And so I heard them a couple of times in the back. I know. And so <laughs> they're great. They're there. They're always there. <laughs> it's it's my own narrative. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've heard my kids, but they're somewhere in the background there, too. But OK, no, I did not. So that's good. Maybe I just now have to tune them out like there's a cer- cer- certain frequency yeah. <laughs> that no longer computes. <laughs> yeah, that works. All right. Well, anyway, I appreciate it and uh, I'll let you go. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Creative Studio Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to these interviews. If you haven't already listened to the full 10-part series on narrative podcasting, I encourage you to do so. So that will help you to be able to get a grasp on creating a narrative podcast from a topical standpoint. I also have detailed show notes available on the website at creativestudio.academy. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast player and share this with someone you think would benefit from the content. I look forward to sharing more about podcasting experiments. This is a production of Podcast Guy Media, LLC.